going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. Uh, Pastor Joyce and I are going to be tag teaming, so I'm going to tag her in here in just a minute. Uh, but just to give a little bit of uh, context, we had been uh, in intercessory prayer on Tuesday, and prayer had gone about two hours. So if you know if you're praying for two hours, something good is happening. And as we were praying, um, Pastor Joyce just began to share a word, which was already on, on my heart and what I was feeling, and she brought it forth, and, um, and it was, Lord, change me. And, you know, it's pretty neat because publicly as a church, we're making changes to reach more people. But first of all, you, we have to know when it comes to God changing us is it has to start with us. It has to start on the inside. And as I was praying, you know, usually as I stand in the back before worship, someone asked me that. I said, well, I'm just praying for everybody that's here and praying before I, you know, get up and, and get to minister to you. And so my heart is always, where is the body at? What's the pulse of what's going on in our church? And just hearing different stories of different ones, different families, of everything that happens because of life. How many of you know at the heart of it, we have to, we have to know that Christianity just isn't something nice or a philosophy or just love, but it's transformation. The heart of the gospel is to transform us. And when we come to church, the Holy Spirit beckons us to be transformed. And so when we have a heart of, Lord, change me, that's where he works his power in our lives. Anybody, can you testify to that? When you have a heart of, Lord, change me, that's where his power can operate and move in your life. And so my heart is, some of you are in different seasons of change that you would allow the work of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the, the principle. God can't bless what we don't surrender. So what we're, he's wanting to call us forward personally with him, relationally with those around us. But what we don't surrender to him, he can't bless or move us forward in our life. And so I want Pastor Joyce to come and share this with you. And then I'm going to share some final thoughts. And then we're just going to have a moment where we ask the Holy Spirit to change us. So Pastor Joyce, I'm going to tag you in. Okay. You bring it. Pastor Nanny, I always Amen. call you. <laughs> God is so good and and one of the things that I've always believed and known in my heart, that change will bring growth. And growth will bring change. So, you know, sometimes change is not easy. A lot of times it's not easy. We want change, but we don't want to go through the process that change will bring. So we struggle with that. And I have been praying and Pastor Garrett's been bringing forth some powerful messages on walking the ancient path. And what it brought forth in me was that I want to walk the pure path. I don't want to walk half in the world and half in the kingdom. And some of the things that he's been saying caused me to cry out and say, God, change me. I... I need some change in my life. I need some things to happen within me. And as I was praying, God, not by accident, but brought Psalms 51 to my remembrance about King David. And often I've said, I've done everything I know to do. What else do I need to do? And to change in my life, God, where is it? 
what am I not hearing or what, what am I missing? And sometimes we just have to get down to a certain place that sometimes we don't want to go because the process can be painful. And most of us, we want the easy path, not the painful path. And I admit I want the easy path. I don't want to have to go down a path of pain. And so without even realizing it, our flesh will strive to go down the easy path. We don't want things that hurt. And I thought about David, and I've thought about things in my life where I've sinned down through the years. How many of you know everybody sins? And some we look at greater degrees than others. And so we kind of judge the level of sin, but sin, sin. And when I was reading in Psalms 51, I thought, wow, God, David, did some horrible things. He was out of the will of God the first place. He should have been at war. And so he was, ended up sinning, as most of you know the story of David and Bathsheba. He committed adultery because she was married. And her, he looked upon her, in knowing that she was married, found out she was married before he even called her to the palace. And then, to make a long story short, he tried different ways to cover the sin, but God didn't let him do it. So he decided to kill her husband. So he had Uriah, her husband, murdered on the front line of battle. And I thought, wow. If God can forgive that, he, can, he is able to forgive anything. But the thing that I saw in this that, that, that David did that sometimes we don't do, and I realized that I needed to do this. What are the steps that I need to take? God, change me. Change me inside. You know, we want to blame somebody else for what happens around us, but it really has to start with you. What is it in you? that needs to change. So I really struggled with some things and, and wanting to grow and feel, feeling like I was stuck and, and with what our church is looking to do and what we want, the miracles and the signs and the wonder of God, he's going to have to have a vessel that is yielded to him, to his spirit, to his way, to his will, and not ours. And it's easy to say, not my will, but yours, and then trot on through life. But when you pray with a heart, a humble heart, and a heart of surrender, things will happen in your life. And that's what I did. I, I began to pray, God, something in me needs to change. And when I looked at what David did, he was confronted by Nathan the prophet of his sin. Now, it had been a year from the time the sin committed to when Nathan the prophet came to him and confronted him with that sin. And evidently, David humbled himself immediately because he knew that he did not want to be away from God. But when you sin, you get away from God, whether you want to or not, because you don't run to him, you run away from him. 
because you're afraid of what might happen. But yet what we need to do is run to God, not run away from God. So this is what David said. With much regret and remorse, after he was confronted by the prophet, he said, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And this is something that I think as we sin, that we need to go before God. And here's what he said, for I acknowledge my transgression. In other words, I know I've sinned, and my sin is always before me. In other words, I can see it. It's always there. I know I've sinned. It's there. And he said, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So David, the very first thing, and this is for me, he was speaking to me, and today he wants to speak to you because I know that you want to grow and you want to go forth in God. And sometimes we need to have an understanding in our life of what to do because I said, God, what do I do? I've done everything I know to do. And still I don't sense or see what's happening through me that I want to happen. And so the thing that I saw about David was step number one. He went to God in remorse. He humbled himself and he said, God, I've sinned against you and you only have I sinned. Blot out my sins. Blot out my transgressions. So there was that remorse. There was that humbleness. And that's what God wants us to do when we sin or we know we've sinned. That we go before him and seek him and ask him because it is him that we've sinned against in our lives. And I love it, he said, because I'm acknowledging it. Do you acknowledge your sin? Do you recognize it? Most of us know when we've sinned, but we try to smooth over it. We try to justify it. But he wants you to come to him with a humble heart and say, have mercy on me. Because I've, I've sinned and against you and you only have I sinned. Blot it out. Somehow deliver me from this. I see it before me constantly. Deliver me from this guilt. Deliver me from this shame. Deliver me. And make a way for me, oh God. And in verse 6, where he had prayed that, this is where he repented again. And he said to God in verse uh, 6, halfway down, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. So God, he went to God with everything was in it. He knows his source. He knows what he needs in his life. And you know, we want to look and say, well, my kids made me feel this way or my husband made me feel this way or we want to blame somebody along the way or he could have blamed uh, uh, Bathsheba she shouldn't have been out there you know we can blame everybody and everything 
And not only that, but at another place, David said, forgive me for my sins, those I know and those I'm not even aware of, for generational things that are in us that, that we don't even recognize. But believe me, they'll come forth sometime in your life. They will come forth. Everybody's going to face certain things in their life. We're none void of it. Everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what God was doing here was showing me, I said, what do I need to do? If you've ever done that, what do I need to do to make a clear path? Because what you've done even in the past, if it hasn't been a full, humble uh, repentance, that thing will ever be before you, and it can come back at any time. You may push things down, you may push things back, but God is wanting to bring those things forth for us to face them, to come to him, that we might truly be delivered because God can deliver completely that you don't even, he can so deliver you that he takes that out of you that it will never come back again. He's the true deliverer. But there are things in our life because we were born in sin. And David, David even, you know, says that. You know, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, he said, you desire truth in the inner parts. And in the hidden part, you make me to know wisdom. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me cleaner than snow. He knows the hidden things in our life. He knows that there are things that, that we're aware of and things that we're not aware of. And so David knew, wash me, cleanse me, because I want more in my life. I know there is a walk that God has for all of us. No matter how big you think the sin is or how little you think the sin is, God wants us to walk in the purity of his spirit and have a right heart. Not a heart of offense and a heart of defense or a heart of rebellion. But that we can somehow go before him and bow our knees and say, not my will and mean it, but yours. I want delivered. I want to walk upright before you. I want it out of my life. I want you to be able to speak through me and walk through me and touch through me with all those things, those walls, those things that are in me to go. We have things in us that God wants to touch. And there's things in your what? You're saying, why am I not happy? Why don't I feel complete? What is it, God, that needs to change in me? God wants you to come to him and say, I've sinned against nobody but you, and you alone have I sinned. Wash me. Cleanse me. Touch the inner part of my being, of my heart. Parts where nobody, I won't let nobody in because of hurt. Touch those inner deep parts within me, oh God, and deliver me.
well. <laughs> and David said, create in me a clean heart. Now, you've got to remember, David was someone after the heart of God. David loved God. He sang of God. He spoke of God. He loved God. But there was something in him that needed to change. And sometimes those very things that happen in us, not that God allows them, but he knows they're going to take place because it's in you. We're born in sin, just like what he said. But if we'll let him, he can take that and change our lives. He can restore us if we just go to him in remorse and repent. He can. He can restore us. So he said, create in me a clean heart, heart, O God, and renew a right, a spirit, a steadfast or a right spirit within me. And to create something is to make something brand new. He can make and give a brand new heart. He can change our heart. But we have to go to him for that change, for the depth of that change. We have to let him go through that process and let him touch the things we don't want him to touch or anybody so that we can grow and go and be everything God wants us to be. As many times as I've read through Psalms 51, taught on it, preached on it, he began to show me something, but I had begun to cry out to him. In fact, I prayed this prayer. I'd go down the road, create in me a new heart, a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Have I got off somewhere? Do I need to get back on? I want on the ancient path. I want on the true path that pastor's been speaking on. I don't want to walk on my path or a wrong path. I want to walk on the true path of God. I want truth. He wants truth in our inner being. He wants you to walk in truth. Not in what you think is right and even some you've been taught wrong. But he wants you to walk in truth. So he said, create a clean heart. A right heart, a steadfast heart within me. Make it right. Touch me down deep. Because he said, you desire truth in the inward part. That's what you want. And in the hidden part, he said, you will make me to know wisdom. There's a hidden part in all of us that he wants to touch in your life. Something so deep down in that it will change your life forever. To help you to know wisdom down in the deep parts of your life. Of your spirit. Because he's interested in change me, O oh God, and make me more like you. Change me into your image. Make me, O oh God, 
more like you. I've been singing that all week. Change my heart, oh God. Change me. Go down deep in my inner parts. We're wanting great things in this church. We're wanting God to move beyond the ordinary. We're wanting people to truly be set free. And you know, he goes on to say, Don't, do not cast me away from your presence. But what happens is when we sin and get out of the way, we walk away from him. He's always right there. He never, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But we turn our back on him sometimes. We walk away from him. But his love is so powerful. So powerful. He said, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He didn't say it was gone. He just said, restore the joy. Restore the joy of my salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. He said, then I will teach transgressors, transgressors your way. Then I will do it. Then I will speak with truth and power. And sinners shall be converted to you. So here he says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Where he had killed, had your eye killed. The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And down in 17... It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. A humble heart before God. And these, O oh God, you will not despise. But that he will deliver us. From sin we know and sin we don't know or not even aware of. But God knows and he wants that truth to be in our innermost being. And I think it was in Psalms um, 139 it says, David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Your heart is your innermost being. Try me. And know my anxieties. And see if there is any way, any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And I know that most of you today are wanting to walk in the path of truth. It has to begin, like Pastor Garrett said, with you, not your husband, not your kid. He wants you personally to come to him. Not only is it change, it has to take place where? First in us. Corrections begins at the house of God first. So that means us, and then corporately, that we might fulfill the heart of God and the will of God. Not only in our lives personally, but in the life of this church. So don't be afraid to get on your knees. It, it, it's, a, 
It's a powerful prayer to pray. And when you mean it, and you're not just talking talk, but you want to walk the walk, trust me, he will touch those places in your life, and he will change you and make you whole and make you everything he knows that you can be. Get rid of offense. Get rid of always trying to defend yourself. Seek God, and you'll find him. Amen. Pastor Garrett. Amen. Can we just stand to our feet? And let's just confess this, that Lord, change me. Let's say it in faith together. You know, a wise person once, once said, the tallest place we'll ever stand is on our knees. There's something powerful when we're in humility, how God can change us. So let's just say this on the count of three together. One, two, three. Lord, change me. Amen. Father, that's our confession this morning. God, as we just take a, a step deeper into this, God, I pray that as the, the, the weight and the presence of the Holy Spirit is here, God, that we would open up our hearts and allow the divine physician, the Holy Spirit, to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I was, a scripture came to mind, and it comes from 1 Samuel 16, 7. And it says, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So change always happens on the inside. Something you need to know about God is God always works from the inside out. We want God, as I said last week, we don't think we can be happy unless our externals are online. All of our ducks are in a row. But the thing is that there is a peace and a contentment where you can go through hell that you feel your circumstances are all over the place, chaos, disorder, family this, work that, finances this, but you can go through in faith. I've done the analogy before where when you're under grace, it's as if there can be a storm around you and it's the grace of God that that's the umbrella where it's all around you, but you're walking with clarity because there's grace protecting you and covering you. And so we have to know when change begins, it starts from the inside out. in humility and going before God and saying, God, why is there this anger in my life? Or why is there this offense in my life? It's taking it a step deeper and, and going, getting past the externals of my life and self-evaluating, going before God on our knees and saying, God, what is it within me that needs to change? We've been talking a lot about how God gets us to change. Anybody strong-willed in here, you know yourself, you're strong-willed. You know, a lot of us in our nature, we are strong-willed. And a lot of us have willpower. We're taught willpower from a young age. But how many of you know it takes more than willpower to truly change? You know, I, several months ago, I preached a lot about Jacob and how God would change Jacob and what his encounter with God looked like. And this is a pattern that when change comes to your life, look at the life of Jacob. Because at some point in our life, we're all like Jacob. Jacob was strong-willed. Jacob's name meant a deceiver. That was his sin. That was his identity. You know what's bad if you're named after your weakness? All of us have weakness here that might not necessarily be sin, but how many of you know God wants to take our weakness, transform it, and make it strength in our life? And that's what happens when we come before God, when we come to church, when we get in his word, when we seek him, we're renewed and we're being, we become transformed. 
And so there's four things through the life of Jacob. You can go and you can read it in Genesis 32. If you need a brush up or you weren't here at church on Sunday, don't make me go back and check the attendance, who was here and who wasn't here. But there's something powerful that I really want you to see, this process, this pattern of change. And you might find your place at one point in this, but I want to encourage you in it to continually allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change you. Number one, what we see in the life of Jacob is a crisis. You know, I was thinking about this. You might have noticed my finger as I'm uh, preaching right now, but uh, we decided for Christmas this year we were going to do a live tree. Anybody, you, you get live trees every year. Let me see your hands. Am I the only one here? Okay, Tim, you get a live tree. We're buddies. So we, Bree, which growing up, she would always get a live tree. And for us, we just, you know, pull it out of the basement, throw some ornaments on it, you're good to go. Easy peasy, right? So Bree's like, babe, I want you to experience a live tree. And so I'm like, okay, I'm be good. Let's be the good husband, get some brownie points. So we go out on Black Friday, go to Kroger, and we decide to pick up a live tree. Now I'm like, let's just get the one that, you know, just kind of looks the best. But she's going through the back of the trees and making sure there's no dead parts in it. And I have three trees in my hands. So babe, try this one. I'm throwing that one over there, trying to find what the right tree is. So we finally find the right one, and go figure, it was a display one that already had the stand. I pulled the truck up, I throw it on my shoulder, and just throw it in the back of the truck. That was easy. And so we, we get the tree to the house. Now with me, when I'm on a mission, I'm usually go, go, go. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but when you get go, 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 you miss details, you usually mess up, something starts to happen, you can get in trouble. And so... Bree runs upstairs to change. I just grab the tree, throw it on my back, and take it through the front door because she wasn't going to see anything scratch the wall. Got to catch them when they're not looking. <laughs> and so we get, we get the tree in the house, and we get it, you know, put in its place, and go figure the tree's too tall, so guess what? Some of it's got to come off. Well, unexpectedly, you know, uh, we, I didn't have a saw or anything, so I just go in the kitchen like every man does and grab a knife, right? There's... <laughs> going to cut the tree this way. So you grab this steak knife and couldn't find my uh, stepladder. So what do you do? You grab a folding chair. And, you know, I just begin to, I grab on the part that needs to happen. And, you know, I just begin to cut. And out of nowhere, I just, pain just hits my finger. Blood starts gushing out. And uh, Bree's concerned that it doesn't get on the carpet. Thank you. And a crisis happens. And so I just drop the knife, I run out on the couch, I start getting lightheaded, and I'm just not good with blood in general, so just seeing blood uh, is tough, let alone, you know, the pain you're feeling. So we get all that taken care of, and it was in that moment in the crisis, I felt that conviction within me, Garrett, you need to slow down. You ever been that before? In a crisis, you really see, okay, I need to slow down, or I need to take a step back, that it's really in a crisis, what I want to get to. It's a crisis where you're really alert to really what's going on. You take a step back, you slow down. Well, in the life of Jacob, he was in a crisis. You see, it started off that it says that a man, that Jacob was by himself, and then a man begins to wrestle Jacob, in which we know is God. And so you could see that Jacob found himself in a crisis. Now, again, with Jacob, he was a strong-willed person. So a lot of us, God wants us to change, but our strong will, our willpower, we're by golly, we're going to keep moving forward in this. It takes something to get you to say, I need to take a step back. And so you might find yourself, when a crisis comes, you start rebuking the devil. You start saying, Satan, get behind me. But could it be God trying to get your attention 
because he wants you to change and because he wants to break your will. I don't know about you, but I've seen God work like that in my life. And we see this in the life of Jacob, that he uses crisis to get our attention. And so you might find your place in that place of crisis. Start to rethink it a little bit. It might be God getting your attention, not the enemy trying to get underneath you. Because you can discern it. You really can when you know it's God and when you know it's the devil. Because again, this was, in order for Jacob to change, and honestly with all of us, in order to us to change, it takes wrestling. We don't change like that. It takes a process and it takes time. What we would love to happen is when God says, hey, I want to change this area in your life, I wish we could just drop to, your, to our knees, angelic sound would come, the roof would open up, the, the light would hit us, and we would just say, Lord, have your way. And it would be that easy. But we know it's not. Because honestly, if you've been in a place where you've been walking away from truth, or you've been in a place where you haven't been following God or not experiencing God's best, however you've been walking is usually not just an overnight thing, I'm going to decide to walk this way. But you've been walking that way for years, months. And in order for something to change that took years and months, how you've been walking, it's going to take time and it's going to take a process for that to change. And so God brings a crisis in our life to get our attention and say, hey, we're going to, go, we're going to put you in surgery here and we're going to change. And so we know that, God, that Jacob struggled with God. And the thing is, when Jacob struggled with God, his change, God was not mad at him. God not was like, I was not, I'm, not, I'm going to show Jacob a thing or two. God wrestled with Jacob because he loved him. And that's what we have to know of the nature of God. He wrestles with us because he loves us and because he wants us to change. Because if you know the story, God's best was for him not to be Jacob. It was to be Israel. He was not meant to be a deceiver. He was meant to be a prince of God. And that's with all of us. We're meant to be princes of God, to step into what he has for us. And, but if you don't understand salvation is a healing process, not a one-time prayer, I got my ticket into heaven, I'm good. But salvation is healing for the entirety of our lives, then you're going to miss the healing process that he has for us. And again, crisis begins it a lot in, in our lives of how the healing journey of, begins in different areas. Number two is commitment. Everybody say commitment. So we got crisis, and then we have commitment. I believe a lot of people, you miss what God has because you're not committed to the process. When you figure out what happens, if I'm not committed, I haven't taken this thing off yet. If I just pulled it off and said, you know, heck with this, I got stuff I got to do, it's annoying, it's, it doesn't look good, and just take it off, then guess what? The healing process isn't going to take place. I have to be committed to this bandage in order for my knuckle to heal. The same as in our crisis, we have to be committed in order for the fruition of what God is wanting to do to come forth. We have to be persistent with God, right? So many times, we're just waiting for God to always come to us. God's part was to bring the crisis. Our part is to be committed to it. Because the thing is, it's never a quick fix, as I said. I wrote this down. Our normal reaction when crisis comes in our lives, because as humans, we all deal with it just in our human nature. When we see a weakness surface in our life or an insecurity or an anxiety, honestly, we're like, I, just, I don't want to deal with that today. I can't handle that in myself because we know the areas of our, in our lives we need to change. Can we all agree with that? We know it. Usually our spouse knows it, but 
sometimes we just lose hope and feel we can never change or that person can never change. And so that's where what our tendency is, is, man, if I can just get on this vacation, or, man, I'm going to download this music that just makes me feel a certain way, and I'm just going to check out and plug in for a while. Or, man, when I get home, instead of maybe dealing with some things, I'm just going to veg out in front of the TV. That's our, a lot of our response of just to es- escape. You think of the movie theater in Wilder, the great escape. Movies are an escape from reality. But the true ancient word of God, the timeless wisdom of the faith, always makes us step into reality and face ourselves so that we can be transformed. When you step into the church, it's not an escape from reality. It should give you the power, the grace, the empowerment to embrace reality. And guess what? Therefore, change your reality. Change yourself. And so we have to be committed to that process. Look what Galatians 6.9 says. It says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, because in due season you'll reap your harvest, if you don't give up, if you don't lose heart. I think so many times through the commitment, we become numb, we lose hope. But he says, don't give up because your breakthrough, your blessing is there. Press in. We said before, a three-quarter string is not easily broken. Prayer, giving, and fasting. When you have those three things operating in your life, that is a great antidote, a great medicine to bring change in your life. So we have crisis. We have committed. We're going to be committed and we're not going to get tired of bringing our reality to God. Everybody say confession. We have confession. Confession is powerful, admitting what our weakness is. Now, a lot of us have a, have a tough time with that. But there's something powerful when we bring something into the light. That's where the Holy Spirit can, be, can begin to change it. When Jacob and God are in this wrestling match... God asks Jacob the most powerful question of his life, what is your name? And you see in scripture, he says, he says his name is Jacob. Now, in, again, in that time, it was a confession that, hey, I'm a deceiver. That's what God was looking for, to get that confession, for him to embrace his reality and say, I'm a deceiver. And so we see that as, as he had this confession, things began to change. You read the next verse, is immediately as he confessed, then his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. I'm telling you, there's something powerful in your confession. When you get real with God, when you admit, God, this is my weakness. This is what it is. You know, think of it. What, is, what can your confession be? I wrote some of these down. Maybe your temper. Maybe your name is temper right now. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's greed, pride, envy, jealousy, deceit, worry, being unreliable, selfish, lonely, bitter. These are things that the enemy tries to plague us with to keep us bound as Jacob and not being Israel. So I pray as Pastor Joyce shared, and I'm sharing with you now that this wake-up call would begin to stir within you. That you would get real with God and get real with yourself and know that you can change. I wrote this down. You can never change a weakness in your life unless you're willing to admit it. You can't change it unless you're willing to admit it. The thing is, it's not easy to do, but transformation is never easy. You change, think about the seasons of your life. Think about when your kids finally graduate high school and then they go off to college. That change, parents, is usually never easy. For some of you it is. You're like, get out of here. But for a lot of you, there's a lot of things that your whole life is changing or 
You know, I think of you, Peter and Kristen, moving from Chicago all the way here to northern Kentucky. That's a big change. Life changes are never easy. The same is with when we admit where we're at and give God our reality and ask him to change it. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's the thing that can set you free. It's a confession. I wrote this down, and it's based off James 4, 6. We know that the word says that uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It says that humility is the key to grace, and grace is the key to change. When you go before God again in humility, grace is showered over you, and we know that grace is empowerment to get you to that place to change. So always know it's going before God in humility, not seeing yourself up here, not willing to say to your spouse, I'm sorry, I apologize, or even to your kids, hey, I'm sorry that my temper was this way, or hey, I'm sorry that I went and spent all this money on this thing. There's something powerful about a confession. So we have crisis, commitment, and confession. Number four is cooperation. Everybody say cooperation. Again, we see that is Jacob confessed, as he cooperated, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And I love it because there's a part there where it says the place where, um, where they were, where the wrestling match changed, where the wrestling match happened. He na- it, what it mean, means when you look at the, the breakdown of it in Hebrew, it meant, it meant encounter with God. And I love that because when you allow God to wrestle with you, guess what? You're going to encounter him. We pray for encounters with God all the time. We pray for encounters even right now. Encounters come through wrestling with him. They usually just don't come, man, if I just show up, then I pray I encounter him. But man, when you're wrestling with God Monday through Saturday, and then you show up to church and faith, guess what? You're going to have an encounter with God. Or you're going to have an encounter with God in that bedroom when you've been praying for your family or you've been praying for this breakthrough in your job. There's encounters God wants to give you, but it takes cooperation. It takes wrestling with him, as Jacob did. And again, the thing is, a lot of us have strong willpower, and God knows that. Out of his love, that's why he wants to break that within us so that we can have that broken and contrite spirit. Again, when you were talking of David, when he wasn't in that place where he should have been at war but stayed back, he was out of the will of God. And when you're out of the will of God, that's where the enemy can begin to pull you down and to pull you out. It's funny, and I want to kind of end with this, is if you look at Jacob, you'll notice if you read the story that his, his hip socket was pushed in where he would have a limp. You know, if you, if you look at the body, one of the strongest muscles areas of our body is, is the, the, the thigh area right there. And you think of, okay, why was it the hip that was broken? Or why was it the hip that was jointed there? It's because with Jacob being so strong-willed, I think it was a reminder to God that after the wrestling match, when his hip was touched, that, hey, this might be the strongest part of your body, but I'm going to put a reminder that it's not in your strength you're going to change and follow me and be Israel, but it's putting my strength in you. That's how you're going to move forward and be set free. And secondly, if you look at the pattern of Jacob's life and the things that he'd done to deceive, he would always run. After he would do that thing, he would run because our flesh tells us to run and never really deal with things. And so 
you can think of it this way too. The reason his hip was done that way is he wasn't really going to be able to run anymore. He was going to have to embrace the reality, be under the strength of God, and continually be in a place of relying on his strength and relying on his power. So many times we don't want to change because we don't want to release control. I said before we started that God can't bless or God can't change what we're not willing to surrender. And so that's my question for all of us this morning. What is it in our life that we need to surrender? Maybe when I said some of those things, yeah, Pastor Garrett, I have some anger I need to surrender. Or maybe it's just the lust for the things of this world. Scripture says the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's all a battle we have to fight every day to choose to be a part of the kingdom of God because we're supposed to be foreigners in this world. And if we're not transformed, then we can't transform the world around us. So I just ask if you bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray with you. And here in a moment, we're going to sing this song moving forward that we want our past, we want to bring it before God. Father, I just ask right now, God, as we fall to our knees in humility, God, as we're a family here, as we trust you, God, that some of us might find our place in a place of crisis. God, I pray that we move through the static and we, as we've been here, we've fine-tuned and got in line with you. And now we can hear, okay, God, this is a crisis you brought in my life to get my attention. Wake us up, Father. And God, as you wake us up, as crisis comes, take us to that place of being committed, that we don't give up, that we don't stop fighting, that we don't stop bringing ourselves before you and asking for mercy and grace to get this thing cleansed and out of our life. God, we sin daily. We are sinners, but it is the grace of God that makes it possible to have power in our lives. So God, as we're committed, I pray for those that are struggling and fighting, that they don't lose heart, that they don't grow weary in well-doing. God, confession. Give us the, the humility and the strength to confess what it is, whether it be loneliness or bitterness or whatever it is, an offense. God, we confess it to you and we give it to you right now. We believe in the presence of God. We can be healed and changed. And God, we choose to cooperate with you. We choose to walk it out no matter how long it takes because we want to be made in your likeness. We want to walk in repentance. And God, we want to humbly seek you because the greatest treasure remains is the the song says, for the one who gladly chooses you now. One day we're going to stand before you. But God, we can choose to stand before you now and choose to be transformed. So God, as we stood up and said, Lord, change me, we ask that right now, that Holy Spirit, you would change us. And Pam, if you would just play. Now she's playing. Just whisper to the Holy Spirit. God, what is it in my life that needs to change? Or maybe you already know. Whisper it to him right now and say, Lord, change this. Because God, your best is not for me to be Jacob. Your best is for me to be Israel. But I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm not going to try to escape and to numb it. But God, I want to bring my reality to you right now. And I want to ask that you would change me. Oh God, make me more like you. We come before you in humility right now, Holy Spirit.
take all of that and give us the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Give us kindness. Give us a gentle heart. Let us walk in self-control. Let us understand long-suffering. God, we're long-suffering right now to be changed and transformed. Because on the other side of our change, Holy Spirit, our families can change, our marriages can change, our atmosphere, because when Jesus is exalted, atmospheres change. So God, we exalt you in our home. We exalt you in our marriage, in our kids, in all areas of our life, the fullness of the faith, the timeless wisdom of the faith. We exalt you because when we exalt you, every giant must fall in the name of Jesus. So God, as we sing this, what a moment you have brought us to. Such a freedom that we have found in you. We're not going to go back. We're going to continue to move forward in you, Father. That your grace would encounter us right now. And that we would step out in faith and say we're moving forward. There might be the crisis. We might be in the commitment, confession, cooperation. Wherever we find ourselves, we move forward in the name of Jesus. So I want Pam to sing this. And when you feel that you want to stand in faith, I want you to join and stand and sing and confess forward over your life because you're going to move forward. There is hope for your life. There is grace for your life right here, right now. You don't have to stay the same. Humble yourself before God and watch what he will do in your life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.